Welcome to Eat Scripture. This is Eric Robinson and Gina Robinson, and we are going to continue today with a new series that we have started recently on typology. And so if you're interested in that kind of thing, you have come to the right place. Typology isn't talked about that often, but we get such wonderful assistance uh, in our Bible study or get our eyes opened in so many ways to new things because of typology that we just are really looking forward to sharing with you a lot of the wonderful things that we can see through that. We're going to start um, with something uh, that would be a story that will be very familiar uh, to you if you have been in the Bible. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We will will start at the beginning where we should start. Why wouldn't you start at the beginning? Um, And so that's where we'll be. But before we get into that, a couple of notes that we want to give to y'all real quickly. Each scripture is going to begin a regular series of courses called the main course kind of goes with our whole eating theme Uh, and so the main course is going to be beginning this month but then every month following this it will be the second thursday of every month starting in march and we'll do february will be a little different yeah after after the one in february then it'll be the second thursday of every each month. month. Correct. Yeah. So that's what we're going to start. And these are going to be uh, standalone teaching uh, from a just looking at various aspects of how to dig into the Bible, how to really understand what it has for us. And so we will begin when we begin no, that and this month. these will be month. virtual mm-hmm. uh, on Google Meets. So we'll need your email if you're interested. You can send mm-hmm. it to Gina G. Rob at eatscripture.com and just send me an email and I will put you on the list and we'll send you a link for the class. That's right. So Gina G. Rob, G-I-N-A-G-R-O-B at gmail or at eatscripture.com. And uh, if you want to, you can just go to the Eat Scripture website. You could send us an email through there too um, and just contact us that way and that would be fine. From 7 to 8.30 on February 25th. That's right. February 25th. So this first one will be t- at the end of February from then on, second Thursday of each month. But just contact us and we would love to send you the link. And this uh, first one is going to be about? This first one is actually on something that's technically called expository constancy. But what you have really put out there, what we've uh, uh, something that we've gotten, kind of a little phrase we've gotten from the Bible Project also, which is biblical hyperlinks. That's such a good way to look at it because what it is, is looking at various words, terms, how they're used in the Bible and how they actually connect to one another by using, uh, by watching a certain word and the way it's used, you can get a much better idea of just how much it's informing you on even a symbolic level, on even a, a level that you may not have normally thought about, that it's really got so much more to say than you may be realizing. So uh, we'll be talking about some of those words, I think, really open in some eyes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Then also the other thing uh, that we want to make everybody aware of is if you love the what we're doing on the podcast. If you love the teaching you get from each scripture, we would love it if you consider supporting each scripture. Um, you can do that through the podcast or you can go to the website and just look at our donate page. There are a couple of ways that are highlighted there that you can take advantage of, but we are a 501c3. We're nonprofit and, and we would just love it if you would come on board with that. If you really find this valuable, then it would be a great way to show that. So Your support makes it possible for us to do 
all kinds of classes and yes. this podcast and just all of the things that we are hoping and, and planning to do. So. Absolutely. And really come alongside the church and, and help in some ways that, you know, not yeah. every church can, I mean, no church, church can do everything. And so, you know, if we can come alongside with this ministry and do some things that are beneficial to lots of churches and lots of people who love the Lord and love his word, then that's what we want to do. Okay. Well, let's get now, back into this typology. Yes. What we're, we're really here, here for. So, Typology, we'll jump right in because we don't want to set this up too long. Um, we just have a limited amount of time with y'all. The typology that is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and following, is where we're going to focus. This is where Adam has already been created, but we find out that he needs someone to stand beside him. He needs someone, actually, you know. I shouldn't have said 15 and following. I really should have said 18 and following. This is where it gets really serious about what God identifies him as being alone and that he shouldn't be alone. And so something has to be done in order to rectify this problem. Surely he can't be alone. Because all the other creatures have a mate. Yes. a, A counterpart. Yes, exactly. And Adam does not which is seems strange now so we need to find adam some kind of helper well as we are going to read through this passage what we're going to find is that what we've got is actually not just the story of adam and the first wife ever in the world if you want to say ever in creation being made this is really the story of jesus and his need for a bride and then the fact that one can't be found in all the world and so what god decides to do is to put jesus to sleep open up his side use what's inside him to make a perfect bride for him and then raise the two of them up together to be united together perfectly unashamed forever that's the real picture that's going on it is it is so beautiful to think of it that way please remember too it does it should every time we read it it should right and please remember too the early new testament writers and the early church of that first century did not have a new testament to look at so they're seeing christ in what what is their bible which is Genesis through Malachi. And Jesus has explained to them how all of the scriptures are really about him. So now they're going back to these very passages, passages like Genesis 2, and all of a sudden they're seeing it through new eyes, realizing, hey, this is Jesus we're talking about here. We should have known this had to happen. Yes. And and just in case you don't believe us, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul makes this very thing clear when he's talking about husbands and wives. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Right. So he's quoting He actually quoted. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He actually quoted that and then said, oh, and by the way, this is really all about (laughs) Christ points to Christ and his church. This very thing in Genesis chapter 24. Or chapter 2, verse 24, where he quoted. Okay, so then, maybe I need to take another look at that passage. If Paul is saying that there's something mysterious that's happening there that has everything to do with Christ and his church, then I want to know what it is. What's what's going on? So we go back to Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 18, and let's just read through the end of the chapter to get a handle on what's going on here. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see, uh, to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Wow. Okay, now, I don't know how much you're hearing already, but you might have heard a couple of things in there that you hadn't even thought about before um, in relation to the Jesus story that may have jumped out at you. But whether you did or not, let's walk through it a little slower now that we've read it once and and take a look at some of these words and some of these phrases that are being used as God brings this out. And remember that what we're seeing is the first man ever created at this point, he's still sinless. He's the sinless man and he's got charge over the world. He's overseeing how things go in creation. That's his his uh, purview is to make sure that things in creation right. continue well and done well the way and, God I wants. I mean, as Paul refers to him, that's the first Adam. Yes. And Jesus is the second Adam. Right. So he's already making connections, connections between yeah. this Adam, the, the actual person Adam. Right. And Jesus. Yes. Right. And comparing them. Definitely. Already so he's doing showing that. us this is a type. Yeah, he's the one who does. He's the one who's pointing us here. This is not something out of our imagination. Paul makes very clear when he looks at Adam, he sees straight through him to the Jesus story. So it's the Jesus filter. Yeah, I, it is. I, I think of it. Okay, we're looking at it through the filter of Jesus now. Yes, they couldn't before Jesus. They had to take this a different way. Yes, right. But 
it was always pointing toward Jesus. Yes. And so when we look back, we can see it more clearly. So only when you get that key, when you get that filter, mm-hmm. can you finally go, oh, now I see what it's really about, which is the very thing that Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 when he's talking about the veil being removed. Mm-hmm. Now when Moses is read, the veil is removed and you can finally see in Jesus what it's really about. Yes. Before him, you, you really don't understand it. No matter how well you get it, you really don't get the true meaning it's of it. It's sometimes when we read it, I think when we read our Old Testaments, we just read a story and think, that is really weird. Yeah. And we pick it apart according to our logic and try to make it fit. Uh-huh. And sometimes we get some good. I mean, it's not that we don't get some yeah. really good things from that. But then if we can take that and put the Jesus filter on top of it. Yes. Then we start to, the things that were really weird mm-hmm. start to make sense. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. even this part... To me, and I'm going to skip just a second ahead here, mm-hmm. but it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Yes. Adam didn't have a father and mother in this story. Right. He doesn't. And so that seems weird to us to read that. Yeah. But when we put the Jesus filter on here, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. Yes. And ties to things that we know. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Which we, yeah, and we'll get specifically into that in a little bit too. And, and the whole story is just weird. I yeah, mean, the whole story that seems God strange. is putting a man to sleep and taking yeah. a rib out of him and making a woman. Yeah. It's just a weird story. So. Absolutely, it's weird if you don't have something mm-hmm. to really use to get I mean, a handle I, on I totally why this, it's why true. this way. Yeah. It's just odd. But it seems yeah. odd, yeah. I mean, why, why this way? Why mm-hmm. this? I mean, it seems strange and mythical and well why why write it this way well there's very much a reason to write it this very way right uh is the thing that we find out so as we start digging into it we see that god looks at this sinless man who's been made to be uh the one who governs all things uh down there and says down uh, on earth i should say and says i don't want him to be alone that's not good and we've seen him call, we've seen God call a lot of things good already, things that he made mm-hmm. that were good. But here we get something that's not this is good. The first thing that's not good. Right. And because he made us for community. Yes. To be in communion with yes. each other. If we're really made in his image, then we are made to be in mm-hmm. a very close community with others that are like us, just like the Trinity is in community with itself right. all the time. So. He, this man needs someone who's completely at his side, who's tied to him. And so we're caught that someone is called a helper that he needs for him in verse 18. We're going to see that word used again in verse 20, toward the end of verse 20. He needs a helper who's fit for him. Now we'll come back to that in a moment. Yes. I don't but want the, to talk about that. But, but the thing ahead. is, this helper is definitely not just somebody to come along and pick up the slack that's no, not, not what it is right the hebrews the hebrew words clear that's not what we're talking about we need somebody who is very much an integral part of the process that can really it's a counterpart yes it's a strong counterpart yeah. yep absolutely so the lord it says in verse uh, 19. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed 
every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called every living creature that was its name the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field but for adam there was not found a helper fit for him so that's what i learned about the story first is that even though i desperately need somebody to come alongside adam somebody something some helper type i even as adam looks over all of the created uh, animal world and names them all there's nothing found suitable. no one no thing found suitable to be this helper type for him and so so that's that's a problem yes now not good Already, I'm actually getting a strong Jesus connection here. Um, you were bringing up something in Isaiah that really this yes. speaks to very strongly. I have just read this verse and thought of this several times. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 63, 5. And it says, "I this is uh, God. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought the salvation and my wrath upheld me. Wow. Brought me salvation. Yeah. I can't read that little one. So God here is looking down wanting to do something uh, about what he sees. And he scours the earth as it were. Looks around the earth to see who it is who he can call on to help him. But none can be found to do that you're saying. Right. I mean, there is another place in Isaiah, and I didn't write Yeah, it it's actually, Isaiah, I think you told me it was Isaiah 59. In Isaiah 59, there's a very similar uh, kind of wording being used in verse 15. And so, let's yes. take a look at that. At uh, the end of 15, and then all through 16, what does it say? It says, the Lord saw it, and it displeased him, that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede but his own right arm brought him salvation Mm. and his righteousness upheld him so again he's looking for somebody who can do something important to bring justice to to reconcile what's going on on the earth he can't find anybody and so he winds up doing himself what he can't find someone to do on earth and i find it interesting that it's his arm yeah that it right talks on. about in both of those. Mm-hmm. And then this is, God's going to take this rib out of out right, the side. Right of the side. Out of so the side. it's the same kind of location. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think there's a huge connection being made there too. I think I'm, I'm like you on this. There's a uh, That's a big deal. That's just not nothing that we're seeing there. There's an actual connection to this very passage we're reading. When God needs to be, because when we're reading in Isaiah, we're also reading about Jesus. If we're reading about Jesus here, we're reading about Jesus there. What are we really, what's really being said here that's so important? Um, I think the oneness of God. Yeah, absolutely. That Jesus was God. Yes, for sure. Obviously, that is huge part of these passages that come together. Here, our Christ figure in Genesis 2 is Adam, and he looks around, um, and he's our Christ figure, so he's, you know, we're, we're looking through him, we're seeing Jesus mm-hmm. look around 
for somebody who can be his helper at his side. Who is it who can help me right now? And none can be found. There is no one suitable to be that for him. No one suitable. And so we're told in the passage, God has a plan. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. Now this deep sleep word is only used seven times in scripture. It's used exactly seven mm-hmm. times seven in scripture. Times. Surprise, surprise, right? Uh, and, and one of those times is here. One of those times is uh, Abraham in Genesis 15, when he's put to sleep by God for this incredible covenant process that yes. takes place. Uh, but kind of between God and him, it's really very one-sided. God is doing everything. God is and, playing and, and, every part. Yeah, God exactly. Is, yeah. Um, and then you have it used again whenever all of Saul's men fall so deep in their sleep that David can actually walk right into the camp, grab Saul's spear, get back out of the camp without, I mean, this is a whole army that's after him. And he manages to go all the way into camp and get the spear and come out. And it says it's because God had put a deep sleep on Saul and all his men. It's this deep sleep. So this is not sleep sleep. This is an ordinary sleep. This is way into the depths of sleep. I mean, you are not going to wake up from this. Whenever God puts you under like this, you're going to stay out until he brings you up again. Right. So it's kind of, uh, I think symbolic of a death. I think you're right. 100%. Uh, even when um, Jesus raises Jairus' daughter, mm-hmm. he says to them, oh, she wasn't dead. She was just asleep. Yes. And I always feel like he's redefining death. Yes. There. Yeah. So this kind of, that just made me think of that. I, I, we didn't <laughs> talk about that beforehand. So yeah, that may be weird, but <laughs> no, I, just, I, I think yeah, that's what we're supposed to think it's of. It's interesting. Yeah. The, I think we are supposed to think of things like we're supposed to equate this with a a dead away kind of sleep. I mean, dead, dead. You're not getting up. God would be the one who would have to wake you out of this. This isn't sleep. And so here, Adam is the one who's put into this deep sleep, which is like death. To fall, and and it falls on him. And while he slept, his side is opened up and one of his ribs is taken out. Now, rib, there's another strange word that gets used. Because rib is used exactly 32 times in the Old Testament. 28 of those times are architecturally related to the tabernacle or the temple. Like the beams. Yes, in the tabernacle. like that kind of thing, like the, the cross beams, the, the way that it's set up, the wood that would be used to hold up the tabernacle or the way that the, uh, or even the uh, side chambers on the temple that Solomon builds. Mm-hmm. That's rib word. That's the word rib. That's so this word. The ribs of the temple. Yeah. yeah. And so that is extremely te- um <laughs> interesting and telling for us about what's really going on here. Here, the the sinless man who needs a helper has been put to sleep by God while he's asleep, his side is opened up, and we're going to take out a rib from him, which is used predominantly in scripture to talk about the building of God's house. Mm-hmm. That's how this right. word gets used. Right, which is particularly interesting when you get down to... Uh, 
the next verse. That's right. Next where it verse. says, and the rib that God, the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. Uh, that word for made yep. is actually built. <laughs> yes. It's a, an interesting it word to have there. Right. So that's why most of our translations will have it say made because saying built is weird. Yeah. It'd be you'll, weird. You'll have a note built. in your Bible that yeah. says built. There. Some people will. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, and, and so uh, I don't have one, but yes, you might have one. And so Gina has one in hers. So sometimes they're going to point that out. The being built into a woman is a strange way to say it. Yes. And lots of scholars have pointed this out. Yes, it does sound like a very strange word to use there to talk about building her. It's actually used that way throughout the Bible. Genesis 4, 17 is the next time we're going to see it. And that's when Cain goes to build a city, Mm -hmm. building a city. That's where you would expect it to be used. In Genesis 8, verse 20, uh, Noah, it builds an altar. He builds it. Of course, that's the word that you would use. But building a person? What in the world does building a person look like? It's an architectural word. Why would you use it here? And it's interesting because it's not the create word. Right. That he used to make, to create Adam. Right. This is a different word. This mm-hmm. is built. So. It is. De- definitely different. And so... Uh, what we've got is now two architectural words that are being used here to talk in this way about this woman who's being built. And so um, we will, let's just continue with the way this reads here. Um, And so he built her, brought her to the man. And then the man says, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In Hebrew, the word for woman is isha. The word for man is ish. So it's just ish and isha. It's, and, and so all I've done is put a female ending in the Hebrew, a female ending on the word man. Is all I've done Which to make really the word woman. Which is really interesting because our English works with that too. Yeah, we do. The word Luckily. man is in the word woman. Right. Just Lucky for us, we it's very clear. Right. That doesn't always uh, happen, but it works nope. out with our English. Yep. So he, he can look at her right off and say, this is the one who was actually taken from me. She's totally, totally connected yes. to me. She's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. We are made of the very same thing. Yes. We're, we're, um, what did I say before the word, um, counterparts? Yeah. We're counterparts. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's how he sees it. He looks at her. He sees this, this now makes perfect sense for these two to be together. They are made of the same thing. This is the way that God has chosen to get a helper for Adam, which otherwise could not be found. I know I'll take her out of him. I'll use a part of him to make the perfect suitable counterpart for him. So that, that itself, you can probably hear how this is just coming out more and more the way we talk about this. Now let's go back to that place where he opened up the side and took out the rib. You may have heard that already kind of screaming to you from uh, John's gospel. In John chapter 19, verse 34, 
John's the one who makes clear that when Jesus is dead on the cross, and he's already dead, and that's the whole thing that's going on, he's dead there, hanging there, just to ensure that all things are going like they should, and that we don't have even a little bit of a live man up there, uh, then the soldier takes his spear and pierces the side of Christ, and his side is opened up, and blood and water flow out. Now, this is your cliffhanger. Because we're going to go on with this, going to take us a couple of sessions to get through this, but we've got more great things to talk about as we continue with this. Yeah, I'm watching the clock going, oh no, we're running out of time. (laughs) Y'all know we do 30-minute sessions, and so (laughs) stick with us and come back for the next one. But the beauty of this type just keeps coming out of what we continue to read through here. And then uh, we'll also talk a little bit more about how church historians or church fathers have looked at this uh, in the history of the church and really seen the Christ story shining through. Uh, It's us who need our eyes maybe refocused so that we can see what's here. So great to talk to everybody. We certainly love you all. We're so glad that you tuned in. Keep tuning in for typology because believe me, this well is going to go deep and, uh, and you are going to be stunned at how often the Christ story is being told to us in its, in its specific detail throughout the Old Testament. I just think it will deepen your faith as we go along. It does that for me. So. Yes. Yes. And that's our goal, mm-hmm. ultimately, to deepen your faith, strengthen your walk. So, love you all. Have a great weekend. It's going to be awfully cold in most of the U.S. So, everybody, keep your coats on, hunker down in front of the fire, and we will be talking to you soon. God bless everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.